Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. Oh yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to episode six of the Mr. Six. Bill podcast, where wow. I talk to you and you talk to me. How many are out? Just one, one at, at the time of recording this. But Okay. Yeah. Different. Different when this comes out. Yeah, this will be actually six. So um, the second one, I, I decided, so I think when you launch a podcast, it puts you in this like hot and new area. And so it's like good for the first, I guess, 12 weeks or whatever to like slam it, put one out every week or whatever. Oh, do you get like an extra boost for being like a new podcast? I think, yeah. So that's why I'm trying to sort of put one out every Monday for the first like 12 weeks. And that's why I sort of uh, proactively like recorded a bunch of episodes. Oh, yeah. Which is why this will be six and there's only one out. So the next one comes out next Monday. It's with Ankle Pants. And then the next one will be with... um, immersive actually and then vibe squad and then Incanti, and then you sick <clears throat> yeah it's good i'm honored the the Incanti one was super funny we literally just talked about burning man for like i don't know an hour nice because <laughs> he'd just come from burning man oh, have you yeah. been yeah i i went oh man i went 08 09 and 11 oh sweet so it's been a while but i kind of have the itch to go again yeah i think i'm gonna go 2020 have you been I've never been. Oh man! But it seems like the thing that everyone tells me I gotta go. They're like, "Yeah, yeah man, you would, you should just go out there and play a shitload of sets." Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> oh man, I see. I don't know about that though, because it's because I've had more fun at Burning Man when I have no obligations. Oh uh, yeah, that's yeah. Because when you're that. playing sets, you're like, you gotta carry a watch around and that's true. Be on uh, time yeah. to something. True. You kind of just like to like melt into it and have no time existing. And yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. So if anything, it would be good. If you're like, okay, I'm going to go for the whole week, play a set on like Wednesday mm-hmm. and then just have fun. Yeah. Right. Do you, do you usually go for the week? Uh, the, yeah, the times I've gone was for the whole week. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't think I'd do that. I think I would just go for like maybe three days. Every time I talk to Ben, he kind of like talks me into another day. At first I was like, <laughs> I'll go for one day. And he's like, oh man, come on, you got to do like two. And then I was like, all right, I'll do two. And then he like slowly convinced me three yeah. And, now, and now he's trying to convince me to go for four. Well, if you're going to do three, you might as well just do four <laughs> or five. Right, exactly. then you kind of get into the groove of it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. That's what I thought, at least. Because yeah. I got to the point where I was like, oh, we're leaving? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, so, so right? now. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it kind of like, it's like moving into a house and then having to move again. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of like a utopia. Yeah, it makes But sense. it's a shock at first, for me at least. So like the first day or two, I'm like what the fuck is going on? This is like too much. And then after that, I'm start to get comfortable. So usually when you go, you don't play music like you didn't do sets? Well, the last year I went, so like, yeah, 2011 or 2012, I played a bunch of sets. All right. All Dirt Monkey sets? Yeah. So you've been doing Dirt Monkey for a long ass time then? Yeah. Nice. Let's see. Yeah, since like 2007. Yeah, 2007 right. or 2008. Oh, it's a lot longer than I thought. Yeah, because the first I heard of you was the Space Jesus collab. 
Oh, which really? Is, yeah, okay. so pretty recently. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fresh. <clears throat> yeah, like, like two years uh, ago. Yeah, exactly. When that came out, I was because I was following Josh's stuff for a while, and mm-hmm. um, I've been friends with him since like 2012 or something like that. Oh, Actually, okay. the the first time I met him was in New York um, in 2012, and he was like the the lowest and first name on the bill, and then it was like a Mister Bill slash Electricado show for some Psytrance crew. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, it was fun. He's he's a funny dude. I love that guy. It's funny how that happens <laughs> over time. How like. Oh man, yeah, it's kind of crazy. switch spots, dude. He's so fucking big now. It's insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's... same with you. I mean, it's crazy. Like, it seems like um, I heard of you when you did the Space Jesus collab, and I think you were doing pretty good at that time, anyway. But it seems like since then you've just gone nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I I think it's more. It. I don't know. I feel like I've just been doing the same thing. Like yeah, I've been just people have sort of changed their opinions of you. <laughs> I guess yeah. Or this music is a little bit more accessible to everyone like people are more into the like wobbly bass music now yeah well i think a lot of that had to actually do with ganja Mm -hmm. because it's like um or actually you know i don't know i have two ideas about it either they were really aggressive about it and like kind of worked really hard to make that whole wobbly dubstep sound come back again and be fresh again or that sound just sort of naturally came back around and they were just there with like 10 albums worth of the shit. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely attribute my stuff catching on to them. Like if it wasn't really? for them, I wouldn't have had that nice platform to just kind of jump onto and be like, hey, look. Well, it's sort of like um, like Jade Cicada and Detox Unit getting big because of Tipper and mm-hmm. because of like... You know, Subtronics, I think, got pretty big because of Ganja too, right? And also Boogie T. Uh, he's like an anomaly. He is now, but I mean, like, I didn't, I mean, I, I'd never heard of him before. Like, he was opening for Ganja on some of their Ganja White Knight and Budge shows or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think his, I think his style of music is just not necessarily rhythm, but whatever his version of it is, has mm. kind of like, it seems like that's just what everyone wants. Yeah, it's like got like a specific popular. like flair and style to it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like shock value. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. your face, <laughs> like yeah. fake drops. Yeah, yeah. He's a good DJ too. I seen him play at the first bank with um with Ben and Irwin uh earlier this was it early? Oh yeah, it was the four twenty show. This yeah, year. that was fucking sick. It was good, dude. He's such a good DJ that it gives me anxiety when I have to do back to backs with him. <laughs> Yeah, right. Like in what way? Um, I mean, in a good way. It's kind of like you know when I listen to your music and I'm like, oh man, I gotta it's I gotta go back to the drawing board. <laughs> I gotta figure out how to like mix my shit better. So it's the same way with him, but with DJing. Oh right. So whenever I have a back to back coming up with him, I'm always like, okay, time to time to like put it all on the table here, figure out some doubles, which I never usually do because <laughs> I just play my own. I play my music and yeah. I write it to where it just sounds, hopefully sounds good by itself. Yeah. So what is the point of a double? Is it is it to um, to sort of make something that doesn't sound good sound better? I don't think it's to sound better. Just to sound like more intense? I don't even know. I don't know. I, the, honestly, the only reason I started doing it is because when I was playing with Jesse, I wanted to kind of like, it looked fun when yeah, he was yeah. doing it. <laughs> so I did it a couple times and I figured a couple out. And there's something satisfying. It's like when you're mixing records mm. and you get you like get the perfect mix, like everything's matched perfect, and you just nail it. 
Can you explain what a double is exactly? Because I was actually talking to Squanto about this last night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just playing two songs at the same time, basically. Right. And you kind of like EQ one differently, right? Yeah. Like I'll, so for instance, one double that I do all the time is I'm, I made a remix of Boss, like that like really popular AFK uh, and Carbon tune. And I, I double that with Sweet Shop by Dr. Okay. P. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And I kind of do it because I want to find a fun way to bring Sweet Shop back into my sets. Okay. Because I love that song. And it's like, is that a pretty old dubstep tune? It's super old, yeah. It's okay. 2008, I think. So like the production of that one is like a little bit sort of dated. So you put a like a new tune over the top to kind of freshen it up. And yeah. then basically people can just tell that Sweet Shop is in there, but it's heavier. Yeah, so they, okay. they, they hear the buildup of boss uh-huh. and it's like i'm a die boss and boy you better believe that and then it goes into like <laughs> that drop but with sweet shot playing on top of it right but they have to be in like the same key yeah and they both have to be for me at least they both have to be somewhat minimal yeah like not sense. too much going on and probably pretty rhythmically similar or at least rhythmically complementary as well right yeah like you can't have a song it's like in triplets, triplets again, yeah. Over a normal one, yeah. I would create the da, 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 yeah. So you got one, yeah. I don't know. Adam Neely has some good videos on counting polyrhythms with clicks and shit like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know that guy? No. YouTuber? Dude, he's sick. You should check it out. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I did a back to back with Squanto at Summit, which was sick. I mean, no one's like at that size has ever asked me to come back to back. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna fucking play to a ton of people. Yeah. It was like probably one of the biggest shows I've ever played. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, I was sick of him to ask me to come out. Uh, and yeah, it, he literally every fucking same thing, right? Drop, yeah, every drop was a double. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? dude? Those guys are so effortless about it, too. I know. Well, I, you know what? I think it's like they've put so much work into the prep. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like what he did, especially with the Mega Chop stuff. Um, and for people who don't know what a Mega Chop set is, it's where Squanto plugs his laptop into a uh into a mixer then plays like four tracks at once right and then just sort of chops between them with the faders yeah doesn't he do does he do eight <clears throat> can you do eight have oh. i heard octo chop oh fuck <laughs> i might have just made that up oh it's a new thing let's do it <laughs> now it is <laughs> yeah um i mean i suppose you could do it if you got like one of the nexus twos with like the two usb ins and then two laptops like bass nectar and then mm-hmm. you sort of like just go switching the inputs between a and b at the top of the mixer as you're doing yeah that could work. Or you just use two mixers. Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'd need to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I think it's just the prep. Like he he spends so much time in his studio, I think, finding doubles. Mm-hmm. And just finding shit that works. What is even the pro? Like how would you, for instance, find the one with uh, Boss and Sweet Shop? Did you just find it in, in Ableton and then put it on a CDJ? Uh, yeah, or actually. you sort of like that... figure it out on the CDJ? Yeah, I'll, I'll load them into Ableton or I'll just... Do record box. Mm-hmm. Record box is a little easier to just kind of load a bunch of stuff in, see how it sounds, yeah. see how they mix together. I fucking hate record box. I don't know why. I <laughs> just I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah, I, 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 much I hated it. it until I started learning how to use it a little better. And yeah, like learning hotkeys like C and M and one and shit like that. Yeah, well, I I use those hot cues. I still don't know how to do the normal cues. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you just hit C for Q and then M for memory. I oh, think. okay. Yeah. 
I still find it to be cumbersome. Like I think uh, in yeah. Ableton, it's just so much easier to like see the waveform as like a whole thing rather than a thing you have to scroll through. Mm-hmm. And then I also like just being able to click on the waveform and hit Control I to add a warp marker. Oh yeah, it just seems more intuitive. I mean, I don't know. I've just used Ableton way more probably as what it is. Yeah, I've been kind of helping Jansen out going like switching back over to cdj's because mm-hmm. he's used ableton forever and why yeah. does he want to switch um he had a bunch of issues recently of like his computer like shit in the bed during his sets oh fuck so i think he was like uh i just he wanted to switch back over because it's just it's so much easier mm. like you can just show up and plug your flash drive in yeah it is easier but i I don't know for me i could never like get this set on cdjs to feel like it flows really good and feel like it's every mix is working and shit Mm -hmm. and with ableton i feel like you can just do such like drastic tempo changes and everything is like completely synced and stuff so it kind of like allows you if you use sync on the cdjs though yeah so i don't have it on these ones oh Um, okay i got 2000s uh for two reasons one they were just way cheaper but secondly um because I was just like, oh, I don't want. I want to learn how to DJ like without sync. But yeah, mm-hmm. not having sync doesn't allow you to do like big, drastic changes and shit like that. Yeah. Do you know um, No Manner? Have you heard of him? He's like a uh, yeah. Mousetrap guy does like electro slash. Yeah. House and shit. Yeah, I bought the CDJs off him. Oh okay. <clears throat> he makes cool tunes. Have you heard the Iska stuff? No. Pretty sick. He did a sick remix of Hurricane by Eprom recently. Oh cool. Man, that's that's an old one. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing that Hurricane. one in my sets, <laughs> the updated version. It's called, Hur- if you go to SoundCloud and type Hurricane in 3D, you'll find it. Okay. Dude, I still play, uh, do you remember the song Shoplifter, the EEPROM song? Uh, no, I don't, actually. That's so old. You, I still you play, play it in it. your sets? Yeah, it still holds yeah. up. Oh, man, yeah, he's got a few. Like, there's another tune of his called Feldspar, and um, sort of like a, you can tell that, like, dubstep was big at the time, and he was just trying to make dubstep. And I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I play a bunch of, I, I play that in a few sets, too. <clears throat> it's always good in sets like playing an old tune that's kind of like sounding dated and shitty and then not that that tune sounds that shitty but like then playing a, a track next to it that sounds like fucking crazy modern and, and, and getting that like it's good contrast yeah yeah it's something that i think yeti does really well he's like super good at, at uh making really huge contrasts in his set constantly so it's like mm-hmm. keeps it engaging and yeah. i think the opposite end of the spectrum is uh when an artist doesn't play anything but their own tunes in their set, and I feel like it can kind yeah. of feel a bit samey for the whole thing. Apart from Tipper, like I feel like he gets away with it somehow. Yeah, <laughs> he plays just mainly his own shit, and well, it's fine. Because his music, is, his music is absolutely perfect in every way. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, that dude's like untouchable to me. Yeah, he's pretty fucking nuts. He came here one day. And he stayed here for like twelve hours, and we wrote like four minutes of a tune. Wow. Yeah, I'll show Oh, it. that's oh you sent me that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that the only that's the only song you guys have made, right? Yeah, we need to finish it, but yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that sounded so good. Yeah, he gave me like um <clears throat> couple of hundred serum presets he made. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting seeing like how he uses it. He'll um he'll do like in tons of insane shit in the LFOs. Like, you know how you'll make a sound, it'll just be like a ding, like some bell or something, and then you'll use like MIDI to like write the melody. Mm-hmm. You'll like write the fucking melody in the LFO of Serum. <laughs> like, oh, I've done that a little bit. Yeah, it's I've started kinda, messing with that. Yeah, and it's cool because then what you can do is like, 
um, like the notes, you can sort of have them all bending into each other in different ways. And then you can take that same modulation source and attach it to other shit. Like, right, you can um, attach it to like the cutoff of the filter or something. Something like that, yeah. And, and therefore, like when the melody sort of articulates, like the sound also articulates. And I think that's how he gets like that extra layer of like articulation and depth into his sound design a lot, mm-hmm. which is cool. So that was like a little breakthrough for me, sort of. I was like, oh, that's a thing that I could maybe do. Man, that's kind of like, do you ever use that, you know, the step sequencer in Massive? Oh, like the performer or is it? No, it's not the performer. So there's like LFO, performer, and then there's a step sequencer that's like these little bars. It looks like a bar graph. And you just drag the bars up and down. And then you can attach that to other stuff too. Yeah. And if you attach it to like, it's cool if you attach it to the pitch of one of the oscillators. (laughs) Mm. Then it gets this kind of, I don't know, almost like old analog synth sounding thing yeah well that's the thing is like i find them the less that you like sequence with say ableton and the more you sequence with like within the vsts or within the drum machines like battery and shit like that mm-hmm. the more old school it sounds because that's kind of how music used to be made right it was yeah. just like making patterns on these sequences and then sort of just recording them all into or originally tape and then mm-hmm. slowly move to like what new endo or something like that some bullshit sketchy ass daw <laughs> yeah i'm trying to remember i used fruity loops i Did think you? i started on fruity loops three or something you're on ableton now right yeah oh yeah sick <laughs> yeah fruity man that's a that's a good one too because didn't that just start as like a drum machine basically um i don't know when i used it no it had the piano roll when i used it but maybe the early versions but yeah it's pretty pretty basic yeah, so what else have you been up to this year? You've been fucking touring a ton, right? Um, yeah. Well, the summer has been kind of chill, like it's festival season. So and for chill, like for you, how many festivals is that? <laughs> uh I guess chill for me now is not being on intense tour. Okay, so like if you're just out every weekend, that's chill. Yeah. Oh, fuck, like right. <laughs> one day a weekend. Well, because then I'm, you know, then I'm home for like five or six days. Yeah, I suppose that's pretty chill. I don't know, for me, like, the one day out, though, it kind of throws my whole shit out for, for like, a couple of days. Yeah. Like, I went out to um, Sacred Vibration, which was this, like, strange Wook festival in <laughs> Michigan mm-hmm. um, this weekend, and I was there for two nights because, I like, the first night I did the Mr. Bill Gates thing and the second night I did a solo set. And I got back and, like, all yesterday was just a write-off somehow. I was just like, fuck, I have, like, so much, like, I got to do laundry and I got to, like... Oh, man, I know. Dude, it's... Yeah, it's such a weird life that we have with, like, traveling to go, spending, like, I mean, you're basically spending multiple days traveling to go play a one-hour set Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, you don't get paid for the one hour on stage, you get paid for the the 24 hours surrounding either side of it. (laughs) Yeah, and it does, like, totally take a toll on you. I think it's, I think it also has to do with, like, you're changing time zones all the time, you know, you're, like, you could play a show and... Florida, like I've done this where I'll play a show in like Florida and then play a show in like Portland, Oregon the next night. Oh shit, that's a pretty long flight. That's like what, at least one connection. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like six or eight hours of flying and then a three, wait, three or four hour time difference. Yeah. So you would have to leave Florida at like 10 a.m. or earlier. Yeah, but you get the time. Oh, you get the time back when you go and back to the East Coast, right? Or West Coast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But it does totally, yeah, it takes a toll on you. I mean, I fly home, like, I'll fly out 
as late as I can to go to a show, and then I fly home as early as I can. That's kind of my rule of thumb too. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, get like so you have to spend the least amount of time away from home, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, also, I think flights are really bad for you. I heard this thing the other day where it's like getting a flight is kind of like getting 20 x-rays or something Uh oh like tons of radiation can we rewind and pretend i didn't hear that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i don't know just being on a plane yeah apparently like a ton of flight attendants get cancer and shit whoa i mean i don't know if this is actually true i just heard somebody say this might be bullshit is it like because of electricity that's on the plane or something i don't know um maybe there's just a lot of radiation in the sky (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i wonder because I, I know like and this is now me talking in an air like i have no fucking idea but i know that tesla was Bill like is a scientist so <laughs> this is all true this is all facts yeah <laughs> um i know tesla was like trying to figure out a way to get energy out of the ionosphere which is i believe a layer above the atmosphere or something or it might even be beyond the atmosphere i don't know but he was like yeah we can just like put these huge fucking uh like metal rods into the sky and then that'll get electricity somehow and then we can just power everything for free so does is the idea that it that that pops through the ozone layer uh i don't know exactly how it works but like okay as far as i know like he was he had an idea that was totally feasible to get electricity out of the sky that would have given humanity power for free but all the companies didn't want to do it because they couldn't tax it or whatever oh right that's what I know. This also might not be true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Um, so in that sense, if, if that's possible to get like tons of electricity out of the sky like that, um, then uh, there's probably a lot of radiation up there. Yeah, Does definitely. electricity equal radiation? Well, I just probably heard... a lot of radiation in this room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I So I've been wanting to get an electric car for a while. Sick. And But my wife was saying... She's been reading about how there's been studies that are starting to happen where they're finding that electric cars are, like, giving people cancer, I guess. <clears throat> well, so are gas cars because of, like, all the damage they're doing to the... Right, yeah, I guess in a different in a different way. Yeah. But the, this argument is that you're, like, sitting in a box that's just buzzing with, like, electricity, which I don't... I don't see how that's possible. I mean, like, I you have an electric motor, but it's not like the whole car is, like, buzzing with electricity. Yeah, I don't know. Because the electric motors in an electric car, I believe, and again, not sure if this is 100% true, I think the the motors are at the wheels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they you, are. Yeah, because you don't need, like, a whole drive system and shit when you're, like, doing that. Yeah, you, you just have need... a battery in the motors at each wheel. Yeah, it's just the the logistics of a gas car, I guess, like needs to have like this one spot where it can like drive a thing. Mm-hmm. And then that like drives a bunch of fucking spinny poles that go down to your wheels, basically. Because it wouldn't make sense to have like an engine at each wheel. Well, yeah, like it, the only reason it made sense with gas cars is just because like all the power is coming from like one place. But with electricity, you can just like make motors and just like send the power to them. Yeah. I don't see how that would um be like, bad for you there's a bunch of shit now coming out about vaping too right oh yeah i haven't even read into that but i just keep hearing like people die from vaping yeah people's lungs collapsing from like uh i don't think it's jewels i think it's more of like the sketchy ones where like you buy some rig from china or something and then fill it up with a bunch of juice from fucking the netherlands or something (laughs) yeah not that either of those countries are necessarily sketchy, but <laughs> I don't know. You know how people just go to, you'll see someone with like this fucking really intense like vape rig and you're like, where'd you get that shit? And they're like, oh, I just ordered it online. Oh, yeah. Weird website. 
Dude, I've seen some crazy ones. They're like this big and people just carry them around and Yeah, I used to vape like quite heavily and I had this one that was like fucking basically a hand grenade that you would hold in your hand and it had this huge pipe coming off it and yeah. it was so intense and i would smoke 30 milligram nicotine vape juice out of it what is that a lot yeah it's tons is that like a pack of cigarettes a day like probably more wow yeah probably like two worth of nicotine i got you got you buzzing pretty good <laughs> yeah it did yeah i was super addicted to it um so i've actually i've quit smoking twice have you ever been a smoker no oh, that's Mm-mm. good Good for you. Yeah, I've been a smoker twice, like heavily. The first time I was smoking like 50 rolled up cigarettes a day. Whoa. Yeah, I was fucked. I was no just filter? Like, with a filter. Oh. But um, I was like just rolling my own because it was cheaper because I was smoking so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just sit yeah. at my computer just like when I was living in Australia, just fucking grinding on Ableton and just chain smoking. Oh, man. And I would just do that every day. Oh, that's gnarly. It was so unhealthy. <laughs> Dude, you know what that reminds me of? Have you seen that? uh old rusco masterclass video yeah man that's like the og <laughs> video <laughs> where he's like he's like in some basement with some tiny roof yeah and he's got like some shit computer and like yeah and he's yeah. using acid yeah dude and he's like telling you how you should um you should pay for your girlfriend to go get her nails yeah. done because that'll buy you some hours in the studio yeah <laughs> yeah he's a funny dude when you said chain smoking staring at ableton that's the first thing i thought of because yeah. he was just sitting there chain smoking and, and he's like, also like make sure you have uh, a like bunch soda. of soda and <laughs> cigarettes yeah <laughs> like yeah this is how so it's you done could stay nice and good for a long time i mean to be fair that's exactly how it was though like i would just get like cigarettes and like a fucking huge jug of like water or some shit mm-hmm. and snacks and just everything i needed and i would just like sit there and just fucking grind and smoke yeah <laughs> It was so bad. Um, and then I quit using this pill called Chantix, which you take like twice a day um, and you keep smoking whilst you're taking it. And apparently it blocks the nicotine receptors in your brain. And because it does that, like it's doing... So originally the, the drug was sold as an antipsychotic and then they noticed that everybody who was taking it as an antipsychotic was actually quitting smoking. So they rebranded it as a anti-smoking drug, but didn't change the drug at all. Really? Yeah. So wow. like a lot of people who take it have like really fucked up side effects, like crazy dreams and shit like that and start to have all these weird um, issues with it. So I, I didn't get any of that. I think you only get that if you may be like predisposed to some, some mental illness anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you take it twice a day and you just keep smoking cigarettes and then eventually you're just like this, like they're not doing anything it's just tasting like shit and eventually you just sort of like taper it off after a few weeks whoa so i've, d- I've done this twice i work both times so the first time I-, I was like smoking tons and then stopped and then i moved to america and started smoking american spirits because i was like fuck these are like four dollars a pack how can i not i'd be losing money not to smoke <laughs> they're like organic cigarettes they're healthy <laughs> yeah this is fine and then um yeah i got massively addicted to cigarettes again basically and then did the same thing again with chantix again wow yeah it It works that well yeah it's really good yeah i would suggest it to anyone who's trying to quit smoking and having a hard time just go to the doctor and just be like give me chantix oh they do it here yeah in australia too i think in australia it might be called champix and here it's called chantix i think Hmm. but it's the same thing and ray liotta is like the face of the company oh really yeah that's funny (laughs) yeah it's really funny random He's like, yeah, if I can fucking quit smoking, you can fucking quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's like the most aggressive, like, mobster actor. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. So yeah, what what are you doing for the rest of the year? Just tons of shows. Yeah, I guess I got a tour tour starting up here on Friday. Oh, sweet. Where's it starting? Um, it's starting in Oklahoma City. So I just have two shows this weekend: Oklahoma City, and well, by the time this airs, it'll have already happened. But yeah, Oklahoma yeah. City and uh, New Orleans. Nice. Two places I haven't played. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're both really fun. Yeah, I haven't done a shitload of markets actually. Is I've done like all the main ones, like I've done like you know Portland, Seattle, L.A., San Fran, uh, mm-hmm. and then like on the East Coast, like New York, Baltimore, Washington, Boston, like all that kind of shit. Yeah, but I've never done like it seems like um, electronic music is yeah getting into these little spots now. Yeah, it's kind of like to get into those spots, it's kind of you kind of got to get into this grind, this like touring grind, or yeah. at least I've. I mean, unless you're like I don't know excision or someone like that well he's he's grinded (laughs) yeah totally he put in his time but i've you know i've done support on a handful of tours and i think that's really like the only way that i'm able to play in these other markets now yeah makes sense so like you go in on a on a tour with someone bigger who's historically selling these places out Mm -hmm. and then just like try and play a really good set before them and then win over some fans yeah take their fans yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and also, then I guess um, you can do this thing uh, when you go back there, where like, did you go through Oklahoma City with Excision? No, I haven't really done many shows with him, but um, mainly like the the Ganja tour last year, and then the Bear Girls tour before that. Right. So you could build like a Facebook ad marketing profile based around Ganja White Knight's audience. Oh, yeah. And then just like slam it with ads. We've been doing that. Yeah, I do that a lot as well. Like if I've gone through, uh, for instance, like I'm <clears throat> in places that I know I'm not going to hit well, I'll just build an audience off Dead Mouse's audience. <laughs> and oh, nice. Just like slam it with ads, which I don't know if that even really is working that well. Or if I play in Australia, I'll build an audience off, um, off OPO's uh audience and then just oh yeah slam slam that one yeah the dev mouse audience that well because you guys have a tune together but i feel like that song is so different than his what he's known for yeah for sure it's it's different from what he's known for but it's not different from what he generally does i feel like because he is in my opinion an idm artist it's just that he wrote a few electro bangers and got huge about it yeah (laughs) which is kind of weird um yeah man fuck spending time at his house was so crazy He's an interesting dude. Dude, that was crazy, like, lis- listening to that podcast and just getting the... I was, like, able to paint a picture in my head of... Dude, he has, like, the the nerdiest house. It's crazy. It's, like, everywhere you go in the house, there's just more technology and, like, it's crazy. more shit. Like, you know how he has that big LED cube? Mm-hmm. It's, like, you walk into another room and there's just, like, a small version of it and then, like, a fucking huge ring of computers that are all behaving as render stations. Really? The, the dude, yeah, the dude wow. has his own internet. He has like a huge tower in his front yard, so he has his own internet. He's like, you know, he doesn't like rent internet off Xfinity or like Comcast. Like, oh, he actually has. Yeah, he like owns his own internet. Wow, it's crazy. His whole basement is like full of these really intense server systems and shit. Yeah, it's really crazy. Dude, that's wild. Yeah, and he like sounds like he just never stops working. Nah, man, he's intense. Like, we got fucking hammered in his pool. Yeah. <laughs> we drank so much Corona, and then um. I passed out in one of his guest rooms, uh, and Andrew, who I was with, pa- passed out in another one of his guest rooms. I woke up at like, I don't know, 10.30 a.m., like hungover as fuck, and he was already like in his pool house working on his show again. Man. 
It's crazy. Well, you have to be like that to get to that level, I feel like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he didn't sleep, actually. Like, I'm, I think he might have just stayed awake. Wow. And just kept working. Yeah, he's a grinder for sure. Um, his, Also, his show, he, like, coded the whole... Do you know um, Touch Designer? Have you ever heard of that? Mm. So it's like a... Um, you know what Max is, right? Max for like Live. Like Max for Live? Yeah. yeah. So you know how it's like a node-based program where you create objects and, like, you name the objects and then you sort of, like, connect them all together to sort of make a patch that does something? So Touch Designer is kind of like that but for video and oh, okay. within all of the objects that you create, I think you can like be pulling from scripts and stuff like that. And he like fucking wrote all the scripts and like made this whole program. So like his whole live show is runnable by him on stage from like this really crazy vector level. Wow. And, um, and the whole show fits on, uh, the whole show is like less than two megabytes big cause it's all running like in real time. Uh, oh okay it's not like you know rendered video content mm -hmm. it's all shit that's like being produced by this program he built in real time that is insane <laughs> yeah it's crazy dude and he also writes all that music yeah how do you do i don't, I don't <laughs> get that because i i'm like i feel like i struggle to just get just the music make done. time to write music and yeah well i mean he's got a lot of music already but i mean i don't think he's writing more than 10 tracks a year or something like it's probably less than that mm -hmm. maybe like eight a year or something it's just that i feel like with him he, he only has to write a couple of tracks a year and like almost every one of them will be a hit sort yeah. of thing because he's just that big and like also he's just really fucking good at writing music um how many tracks do you reckon you write a year um i don't know probably like 20 20 that's, that's good yeah like I'm you you would finish 20 a year i'd finish 20 yeah so you probably, probably start, start like 140 50 <laughs> yeah okay i'm i'm trying to i used to do a lot more because i used to have this mentality of like i need to have a ton of unreleased music so that i can like get further and like progress in this whole music world and all that so i would just start a bunch of new stuff all the time and i'd be like writing music on the plane everywhere i go like never take any breaks and now i'm trying to spend more time like i'm trying to Spend more time on each song yeah. instead of writing. Like the the last couple weeks, I've spent the entire time on two songs, and I've just been really trying to hone in the mix downs and get yeah. them to sound better than anything I've done. That that makes sense. I feel like that's probably a better angle anyway, because it's like if you make one insanely good song, like let's say uh, like Sandstorm by Darude kind of shit, mm -hmm. that's just like. I don't know if you'd class that as like a good song, but it's like it's it's such a catchy song or whatever that it just got like meme level big. Oh yeah, <laughs> to the point now, like where that investment of if he spent like six months on that tune, it was worth it. You know? Oh yeah, it's like it, iconic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I also feel like um like I've fucked my career a little bit by oversharing too much. Like I've written way too many tunes and like released way too much and overshared like all of my secrets and. Oh right. Kind of like destroyed the magic for it completely, which I like. I mean, I'm I don't think I would would do it differently if I did it again because I I don't know, I just like demystifying things and just I don't like people to feel like this whole thing is like an unattainable thing. Yeah, I feel like what what you just said what you've been doing is crucial for the whole culture that we're in so that like if if you if you're giving away all your secrets that you figured out, that'll just make it so that 
someone else can have that and then they can figure out the next stuff and it just progresses quicker yeah exactly it's kind of like technological advancements too right like somebody figures out a fire and then the next person figures out how to harness that in some other way and make a combustion engine out of it and then somebody else figures out electricity and yeah so on and so forth and if they share all their information it's like now look we've got fucking telephones and shit right Yeah, I've always been, uh, yeah, I always think it's cool when people share, share what they know and like try and at least like if, if people can have a better starting point when they're starting to work on music and like they can skip the years of like doing shit the wrong way. Like there's things, cause I never really had anyone teach me much with all this. I've kind of just watched YouTube videos and figured it out on my own, but I'm always like, man, if I had someone just show me all this 10 years ago i could have been writing way better music then and yeah but then you might have not developed your own uh style and stuff as much you know yeah and you also may have like uh ingested the information like differently then as well like i I feel like different information like has different values at different times Mm -hmm. like you know if i tell somebody now like i don't put ott on everything like as a general rule of thumb and they take that shit to heart and like never use it again then I would consider that like them using the information wrongly. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My my idea with it is just that if me sharing my tricks like destroys who I am as an artist, then I don't really think I was a very good artist in the first place probably. Right. You know, like if you show somebody how to make like your fucking bass sound or whatever and then all of a sudden you have no value and because somebody else can do it. Yeah. And that's the only thing that you were relying on your whole thing then that's like a that's kind of wake shit. up call yeah exactly it's like you. you got some other work to do as an artist then yeah <laughs> um yeah so I, I don't know i never really have seen like giving away all of my tricks like to be detrimental in that way but it's detrimental in the sense that i feel like a lot of the stuff that i was doing back in the day people were like messaging me a bunch and being like man how the fuck do you like make that sound or like how did you do this thing that sounds like you know really weird in, the, in this thing and then i would like make a bunch of videos about it all and then those same people or like you know just anybody in general just be like oh it's what it's just that you know and it's like yeah it is just that but you didn't fucking figure it out (laughs) (laughs) it's like people get reductive about it yeah once they know what like how it's done that's funny it's kind of like a a magic trick like you know if somebody's like locking themselves in a box and then you open the box and they're gone you're like whoa how was that done but if they're just like yeah you know i just went through this like sheet thing in the side or whatever then your brain instantly goes like oh it's just a fucking sheet in the side (laughs) it's fine (laughs) see i'm always like i'm i have a lot of people hitting me up all the time to you know like sample packs for instance Mm -hmm. like asking me to do sample packs and preset packs and all that and i and i've like sat down and started to do it but i have this weird thing where i'm like like i have a sample pack right now but then when i go through the samples and i use them in my songs i keep processing them more so i'm like well clearly they're not ready to like be a sample pack yet (laughs) so it's just this never-ending like i don't think it's good enough to be a sample pack for other people to use yet right kind of thing what i usually do with my sample packs is um because i do so much i don't know if you do your sound design this way as well but quite often i'll build like a like a patch like with a synth and then a bunch of effects and then i'll set up another channel below it and i'll take the input from from that channel with the synth and the effects and I'll just hit the record button and then I'll just like press buttons on my keyboard to trigger notes and then just fuck with shit in the synth and fuck with the effects chain a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, and then just record this long output 
and the the wave file that i get out of it is like anywhere between you know two minutes and like an hour sometimes where it's just like a sound design session oh yeah much. and so when i make a sample pack i just go through all of my recorded folders in all of my project files and there's just so much oh. shit in there oh that's cool so for like one shots or even like these long files that are like you know 10 minutes long or 20 minutes long or mm-hmm. an hour long old go and get all of those copy them all into another folder somewhere on my computer and then i'll import them all into an ableton session and then just like cut little bits out of them and just start like normalizing them and re-rendering them and stuff like that oh that's cool that's, sort that's of a good I, idea yeah that's how i attack it that's kind of like um i i have one of that that mug the mother oh the mother 32 is that the mother yeah that's yeah the mother. the mother 32 and i my son love i have a two-year-old son and he for those of you that don't know yeah, yeah. um and he he just loves playing on it. I actually think he broke it because it won't turn on now. Sick. Yeah, so I got to get that figured out. But um, yeah, we've been doing the stuff where I'll just hit record and let him like twist all the knobs. Yeah. And the same kind of thing. Like I'll have, you know, 10 or 20 minutes worth of stuff. Okay. <laughs> and I've started to use it now because it's like really sick. That's awesome, man. If you can like get him into production when he's, you know, 15 or something you should definitely give him those files and be like these are sound design files you made when you were like two years old i got like hours of that yeah and i'm like dude how and since it's on that thing Mm -hmm. i like don't even know how he made it right exactly i'm like who knows did it happen that one time and that's it and have you used that stuff in tunes yeah yeah i've used uh yeah i've used a bit i'm trying to think um nothing uh, nothing coming up on this album from that but i've i've recorded him doing vocals nice. like he knows what to do when i give him a microphone now he knows to talk into it he'll be like yo <laughs> hey that's awesome yeah yeah it was funny when he was here he just kept walking in and be like hey <laughs> yeah <It's> like... <laughs> he's definitely gonna be an entertainer of some sort yeah well yeah i mean um i mean i feel like you kind of adopt a lot of the stuff your parents do mm-hmm. um like my dad was an engineer so I, oh, okay. I adopted like a lot of engineering types things, I think. Oh, yeah. That just yeah. goes right into sound design and all that. Yeah, it seems like it. And just thinking about things in this like really systematic way and stuff. But yeah, yeah, he might might be an entertainer. <laughs> That'd be cool. I think he's going to be a stand-up comedian. That'd be sick. Stand-up yeah. comedy is all aw- Dude, I've thought about like trying it so many times. Because I'm like, yeah, I could probably like take my thoughts and like whittle them into something that makes sense. No, it makes like sense in a stand-up comedy set. Yeah, and I just never do it because I'm like, it would take a while, I think, to sort of like work out an idea. Yeah, I mean, if music and all that is this much work, yeah, being exactly. a good stand-up comedian, I'm sure it takes a lot of time. Oh man, well, it's even fucking harder, I reckon, because everyone's a professional talker. You know, like mm-hmm. every, almost everyone in the on the planet talks. So yeah. everybody knows how a sentence is formed, really, and everybody sort of knows, like, everyone knows so much more about uh, talking in general than people know about music, so it's easier to get away being, like, a little bit shitty at music, but it's, yeah. like, it's not easy to get away if you're, like, as a stand-up comedian, I think, if you're a little bit shitty at talking. Yeah, because you're, like, by yourself with a microphone <laughs> in front of a bunch of people that are sitting still, staring mm. at you, waiting for you to entertain them. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of microphones, I noticed the other day at Cervantes, you're like a pretty quiet, like reserved dude. But when you're on stage, like on the mic, you're just like, hey, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get all hyphy and shit. I know. I'm so bad at that, man. I, I can't do it. It took me forever. 
to get like good at mics on stage? Yeah, I had one moment that was like a turning point for me, and it was when I played at Red Rocks like a really long time ago. Um, at do you know? Do you remember Savoy? You know them? They're from here. I think I've heard the name. Yeah, they did like. I mean, they're still around. They're still doing stuff. Um, I guess it's more like progressive house, almost almost like old Daft Punk or old Justice kind of stuff. But anyway, I played a show with them, and it was the biggest show I ever played. It was in like 2011 or 12 or something. It's still the biggest show you played? Well, at the time it was. All right, okay. But it was like half full Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so nervous. And I remember watching a video. And I had got on the mic and I was all quiet and I was like, Hey, you guys might wanna you guys might wanna stand up for this one. <laughs> and then I <laughs> and then it dropped. And then I watched it and I was like, Oh man, I gotta figure this whole mic thing out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't fuck with it because like, yeah, I've seen a few videos of myself as well on the mic and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not that guy. Fuck that. Dude, you gotta just yell. I mean, you like, have to yell. Hello, could you please uh, do the noise? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Squanto is so funny. Like during our back to back, he kept getting on the mic and being like, hey, make some noise for no fucking reason. And everyone would be like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's so funny. <laughs> Oh man, it was it was also funny. He was in the um in the green room, and we we're hanging out with like uh, it was like me, Squanto, uh, his tour manager who works for Grave Dancer. I can't remember his name, but he was a really nice guy. Um, Dominic, the dubstep pre- guy who does the shows here. Do you know that guy? Oh, Dom. Dom, yeah. Oh, I know Dom. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was there, and there was like a girl that was doing photos, um, and then like one other guy. And Squanto was just sort of like commanding the green room, being like, I fucking hate shows. I want to quit. All oh, this yeah. is bullshit. I hate touring. And everyone's just kind of like trying to be nice to him because he's like the headliner and shit. Oh, that's funny. But also yeah. everyone in their head is like, this guy's like an entitled fucking cunt. And <laughs> as soon as he like left the room, one of the guys who was there, he's like, man, what really needs to happen, I reckon, is like there needs to be like a like a electronic musician policing system or like a you know a dubstep police or something. And if they catch you complaining about your life like three times, you have to do like a mandatory twelve hour shift at Taco Bell or something. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> Just to see like what I'm, the other option is. I think I might have had um, that exact conversation with him. I, everyone has at this point, I think. Who well, because I was, because we were talking. I mean, he he's pretty vocal. I, I feel like I'm not giving away anything about his personal life that he hasn't talked about already. Yeah, he seems pretty open about it. Yeah, but uh, um, because he kind of like he blew up at a pretty young age, as far as not having to like do much, you know, like grinding at day jobs for like a decade or whatever mm-hmm. yeah exactly so i was just he you know he was telling me about the whole touring thing which i can totally relate with because i'm like it'd be nice to not have to tour like day in and day out for months and just sort of like pick nice shows that you want to do or something like that. yeah so yeah. it's a little more fun and not you know just like this grind where you're like not sleeping and just groundhog day all the time yeah exactly yeah um but i was like dude you're 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 like you know he's into like skiing and mountain biking and stuff and i'm like dude just go teach kids how to snowboard or ski for a winter and it's like like i i was so happy when i 
was working at the climbing gym here and I was working full time setting routes and all that. Oh, and you worked at a climbing gym? Yeah. I oh, worked fun. at uh, the climbing gym in Boulder. Is it called The Spot? No, it's the Boulder Rock Club. Okay. I've been to The Spot. I haven't been to the Boulder Rock Club. Okay. Similar. Yeah. Like the Spot's bouldering gym, Boulder Rock Club's bouldering and uh, rope climbing. Oh, that's sick. That's but cool I, that you work there. I worked there from like 2006 until, I mean, I still occasionally go in and like set a route. Nice. Just to keep doing it just because I love it. But yeah, I, I was like, there are times when I was like happier doing that, grinding at the day job and, and then touring. having a few hours to work on music than, you know, touring. Totally. I feel that. Yeah. Touring is like a lot of people sort of who haven't really done it heavily look at it and go like oh it's it's a it's the dream Mm -hmm. and then also at the same time say like i mean i think you you should always be grateful to make music for a living i think it's such a small percentage of artists who actually get to do that yeah that at this point i'm just grateful for it like i don't complain about the touring and i don't really tour that hard anyway but Mm -hmm. um yeah i definitely think that uh People don't really understand what a grind it is. Hey, it's like, have you ever traveled ever? And if the answer to that is yes, then be like, all right, cool. Then just multiply that by every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because traveling is like really stressful for most people. It is. It's stressful. And I mean, you get better at it for sure. Mm -hmm. And you get like more efficient at like just knowing how long before you have, how many hours you have to sleep before you have to wake up, have a shower and get to the airport and like all that shit. You just get better at it. Mm -hmm. But like, it is still not fun. Like going through security and going to the airport, taking your shoes off, getting your laptop out of your bag, getting woken up by people at hotels, knocking on your door and um, having to check in and out of all this shit and getting on a flight and sitting there for many hours, getting pummeled with radiation apparently <laughs> oh man not that again <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> and then landing and like getting picked getting up in an electric car get pummeled by more radiation, more radiation. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like yeah eventually you get to the show and it's good but yeah it is worth oh man as much as all that is like you know tiring and wears on you it's like so satisfying to like play new music that you just made and get a response yeah you had a you had a good thought about that the other day you said that um you kind of look at like all the grind in the studio as like the work and then like the set and you just being able to play it and watch people's reactions and have a good time is kind of like the payoff yeah yeah it's a good way to look at it yeah i kind of look at it similarly i guess yeah it's kind of like i don't know it's almost like kind of like a drug i guess it just feels so good and you just keep doing that and it's like i don't know that's why i just want to keep making my music better and better and sound cleaner so that it hits harder the the better reactions from people yeah i would say your stuff's super clean um mostly because there's so much like mids in the bases and Mm -hmm. it's really bright as well so it just perceivably sounds very clear yeah good thank you i'm trying yeah yeah, your mix sounds good. You said you use A7Xs, the Atoms? Yeah. With the sub as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, honestly a great setup. Like, um, I think I was telling you the other night at Cervantes, uh, the Fruit Bat uses that. And every time I write music with him, in his, it's just in his lounge room too. There's like no treatment or anything. Mm-hmm. And whenever I write music with him there and then bring it back to these speakers, it always sounds pretty solid. 
Hmm. It's like not a lot of issues where I'm like, oh shit, that's like way too much bass or like, oh fuck, there's like a thing, like it clicks and shit everywhere that I didn't hear or anything like that. Yeah. It's never usually those issues. Yeah. I love those monitors. The only, the, the sub's kind of tricky because I'm in a new room. So it's hard to like, and subs are hard to deal with. Mm. I like having it because it, when I walk around, it makes me feel like I'm in a club or something. Yeah, makes sense. Like so, I can turn it up loud and mm. kind of get that feeling. What what part of subs do you think are hard to deal with? Just where it's placed, you know, placing it in the right spot in the room and having like... Oh, you mean like the, the actual physical subwoofer? Yeah, yeah, just like where it is and the treatment. Well, I mean, my room's not treated at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm always just moving it around trying to find like the right spot or when I write music in there it sounds good in the car or something. Yeah, I feel like between a non-treated room and a car and maybe headphones, you could probably get a pretty good, well-rounded view of what it sounds like there. Yeah, starting to figure it out. Even in here, I still need, I still listen in the car and I still, like I don't necessarily need to. I can usually get away with it, like especially having the Audis headphones too. They're really fucking nice. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, having a combination of like these speakers, those headphones, car and uh, I don't use my sub pack that much anymore, but I have one of those too. Mm-hmm. And then also just metering. I feel like that's enough like sensory input to, <laughs> yeah, to be able sure. to make a decision. Yeah, that span plugin has kind of saved me on all that. Span, is that like a spectrograph? Yeah, it's the Voxango one. It's free. Oh, okay, cool. I use this one. It's like, uh, it's called Pure Analyzer. It's by a company called Flux. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, every time I do an Instagram video, it's that one that's on my bottom screen that looks all rainbowy and shit. Oh, yeah. And then everyone literally ignores the tune and goes like, what's that meter? (laughs) (laughs) Like nobody is like sending me messages going like, oh, man, that tune sounds fire. (laughs) Everyone's like, what the fuck is that meter? (laughs) They're like, that tune looks good. Yeah, and I I don't respond to any of them anymore. Mostly um, not because I'm like pissed off that they're more interested in the meter than the song or whatever. But more or less just because there's too many messages of the same thing. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't want to just fucking copy paste the same thing just to everyone. Yeah. And this company didn't give me this shit for free, so they can get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> they did give me a, uh, they gave me a discount though. You get a lot of plugins. You get a lot of companies. That I, yeah. I get and... most plugins for free. Okay. It's sick. It's really good. Do you use universal audio stuff? No, because I don't have a UAD card. But oh, okay. also, um. Well, clearly you don't need to because. Yeah, I don't think I need them. I mean, I think at this point, like the fab filter stuff does it for me. Mm-hmm. I do have all the soft tube stuff. They gave me all their stuff, which is awesome. And that's all like physical modeling shit. So um, that's pretty much what the universal audio stuff is, right? It's kind of like they try to replicate gear. Yeah, but it's all run off of a separate processor. Like a DSP card. So yeah. it has like specific uh, uh, CPU power just for running the plugins. Yeah. Is it because they're really CPU heavy or? Mm. Huh. Weird. I wonder why. Because the soft tube stuff, I talked to the guy who makes all those plugins and he said what they do is they have like a unit, like a Uri 1176 compressor or something like that. And they'll pull it apart and they'll find every single component in the chain and then they'll write a line of code for like every single component in the chain to try and like mimic every single part of the thing. Wow. And then connect it all together somehow in the code as well. And then that's how they kind of mimic how the thing should sound digitally. And those plugins are like pretty weighty on the CPU, but you definitely don't need like a second computer to run them. Mm-hmm. 
I really understood that about the universal audio stuff. It's like fucking get better at optimizing your plugins. Yeah. I don't, the fab filter shit is like so lightweight and it's so good. Yeah, I know. I only use, I use pro Q3. I still have not upgraded to pro Q3. Oh man. I'm on two. Oh dude. It's (laughs) such a game changer. Is it really? Yeah. Just cause it's the dynamic EQ. Yeah. So I had a bad experience when it first came out. I, so for, for a dynamic EQ, I use soothe. Um, oh okay so i guess that kind of like fills the gap for me a little bit mm-hmm. and pro mb i suppose is it's a multi-band compressor but yeah um <clears throat> i usually use eqs just for sort of like cutting shit like cutting subs in sounds that don't need it and just like coloring a little bit you know like adding a bit of mids adding a bit of highs stuff mm-hmm. like that just like kind of reshaping stuff a tiny bit but uh i had a bad experience with pro q3 when it first came out i downloaded the demo and i was like i'll just use this for, for like i think you get like 10 days free or something and I'll just see if it's something I want to use. And I did like a bunch of mix downs with it, like probably three or four full mix downs where they're all sounding really good. And then they had like some update where it like bugged out and just deleted all the EQ settings from every EQ, every instance of Pro Q3. Oh. So I was like, wow, I just fucking like that's multiple days worth of work. So I was like, you know what? Fuck Pro Q3. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just like kind of boycotted it since then. But yeah, maybe I should upgrade at this point now that they've probably sorted that out. Oh yeah, I haven't had any issues. It's yeah, amazing. It just really pissed me off. <laughs> Man, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, because I mean, a mix down is like not that fun to do. It's usually you have like a fucking mental crisis while you're doing it. Yeah. So I had a bunch of those, and then I was like, "Wow, I had all those for nothing." Oh man. And now I have to have them again. There's some channels where I have like five Pro Q3s throughout because I just keep adding them <laughs> it's always funny right like people look at my sessions sometimes and they see so many EQ8s doing like so many insane boosts and cuts and shit like that yeah and they're like why don't you just do it all with one and it's like you don't get it man I know <laughs> you gotta do it with like four that's something I've learned recently too I've I've been uh, I've been talking to this do you know the producer Urban Don he makes oh, drum, drum, and drum and bass yeah I have yeah. heard a couple of their tracks did they do that come together remix mm-hmm. dude that remix is so sick Oh man, uh, it's it's this one guy, um, and he like all his music just sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. It just sounds so good. It's like all the bass is like up front in the mix, and it just everything sits perfect. So I've been talking to him a bunch, and he's been like kind of sharing his little secrets with me, but they're not even like that crazy of secrets. It's like yeah. he just eqs a shitload and like does a bunch of multi band compression. And just sculpts everything. Yeah. So I've been trying to really focus on that now and just sculpt every single sound. And that's why I end up having like five Pro Q3s doing these little like, you know, dynamic boosts, like expansion and compression. And that's that's been like the game changer for me at least last week or two. Yeah, I do that a lot as well. Yeah, where I'll just like, overly shape things and stuff like that because it really like um yeah really like fills in gaps in the mix you know like if you have like a sub and a kick and a snare and maybe a hi-hat and then maybe like a synth line you can also put like a mid bass in there and then just put like an insane boost at like 500 hertz or whatever just to like pack in that like extra little bit of area and stuff Mm -hmm. but when people see it they're like oh that fucking boost at 500 hertz looks insane why would you do that yeah you're like because if i turn it off look what happens it's like no mids oh yeah it seems like this it loses all its presence or whatever and the other thing the other thing too is using that like you know like the dry wet on those 
definitely has helped for me, which I've never did in the past for some reason. Like the dry wet on the dry EQ. Wet on EQ. On the Pro Q3. Is it dry wet? Yeah, there's like a, I mean, it's not called dry wet. It's like something else. It's in the lower right corner. But it's basically like zero to, I think it's zero to like 200%. Oh, it's like a scale, sort of like scale. A, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. There's an EQ. There's one of those on EQ8 too. Oh, okay. It's sort of like if you do a boost at one dB, um, if you boost something by one dB and you turn it up to two hundred percent, I'm pretty sure it just boosts the same thing by two dB. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it makes the curve more extreme. All oh, right. So you will like um do a bunch of EQing and then fuck with the scale to either make it more or less extreme to sort of like split the difference. But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes doing it more extreme makes and I'm you know it'll make the if I'm doing like a bass a mid-range bass sound it'll be exactly what I wanted I'm like whoa sick that was easy nice yeah <laughs> yeah I do that a lot with um matching EQ so there's like with, with the ozone you can I put it on my master a lot and then I'll take another track that I think sounds really good um and I'll take an analysis of that track with ozone and then I'll take an analysis of my own track and then I'll apply the snapshot of the track I want it to sound like to my track and it will make these insane EQs with just like all these fucking, like it'll pretty much just try and apply the spectrum of the other track to my track. Whoa, that and, actually um, works? Uh, so no, like what happens is it makes it usually <laughs> sound way too intense and shitty. Oh. But you can generally find like, very quickly like what the problem is with your track if it's not like hitting right oh okay. you can be like oh it looks like it's trying to add shitloads of 5k so maybe i need to just add more 5k to some elements in my track or whatever i more or less use it as like a problem solving thing because mm -hmm. i've yeah. thought about using that but just the, never the matching eq yeah the pro q has one now too right where you can oh, take know. an analysis and stuff does I it know. i need to look into that maybe it doesn't it definitely um there's a few uh, Voxengo has an EQ that does it. I can't remember what it's called. It might just be called Voxengo EQ. And then Ozone, I use Ozone 5 to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sure you can do it in Ozone 8. I just haven't really fucked with Ozone 8 that much. Yeah. I have it though. I should I should maybe upgrade. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I mean, Ozone's cool. I've always had it, but but I'm always like, eh. like I don't use the stereo imager anymore. Mhm. Mm Cuz I found that it kind of I don't know. I feel like it takes away from the sound of what I'm trying to get. Yeah, stereo is always weird because like you're having to split the signal into two and then put we'll sort of split them into both speakers, and it just uses a bunch of delays and phase and shit like that, and it kind of just causes more problems than it fixes. Yeah, I find the best way to make stuff sound wide is to literally just get two different samples and just pan them hard left and right. Oh like yeah. Like get some like paper crunching folly in the left speaker. And then like some fucking tin foil in like the right speaker and just pan them. Good idea. And then it makes it sound really wide. Because all width is, um, and this is something that took me a, a while to realize, all mono is, is just like, or mid signal, is just everything that's the same in both speakers. And then all side signal is, is the left speaker minus the right speaker. So, or divided by the right. So just everything that's different, basically. Mm -hmm. So if you just like literally put different sounds in both sides... Yeah, it sounds super wide. And that's just, why stereo filters are always sick because it's like you literally just have different filter movements on certain synths happening in in the left and right speaker. Like Zebra does it really good. Oh, um, okay. You can set a filter to be in parallel and then just split it. Oh, I haven't used that synth. Yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, that's a good way to get like phase coherent widths. I feel like. Hmm. I've been. I made this new like 
return track that is kind of my go-to now with just with like a few plugins that are kind of like doing extreme width things all right yeah cool i've been using those kilohertz plugins those are sick yeah the guy who makes those is super nice too um or well, they're both there's two guys that i talk to they're one's called cell and the other one's name is anders mm-hmm. like i think swedish yeah they're sick the phase plant stuff is awesome oh, yeah. did you hear the rob swire presets Mm-hmm. they're so sick man like Dude. you just hold down one note and it like produces the entire dial-up sound or like oh yeah the d- yeah <laughs> yeah or you like hold down one note and it like produces a whole cop chase scene yeah it's fucking crazy man that guy's an insane sound designer and then he and then he has he had one that was like look i made rhythm or something like that oh yeah and it's just but a, it's really sick it's like a rhythm track just within a patch yeah <laughs> yeah it just add drums yeah, and he made a bunch of pendulum sounds too. Like there's the tarantula bass in there, I think. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a beast of a producer. Yeah. It's cool having those two to like kind of see how the synth works. Yeah, he kind of pushed it to its limits, I feel like. Cause it yeah, it's got a pretty intense modulation system. Dude, I know. You can it's like endless. Yeah, seems that way. It's crazy. I love it because there's always like now when I'm making sounds, if I'm like, oh, I need I need like this little bit of like part of the spectrum filled up. I can just like put a little square wave in there and yeah, do its own things to that. I want to talk about climbing more. Um, do you still do you still climb? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I climb. I mean, I guess I climb more when I'm on the road now. All right, cool. Cause, well, yeah, I don't know. I haven't climbed much for a while. Um, it's it's kind of hard with our son because he he just started daycare so now you know he's going and doing that so we're able to like start to climb again and I'm actually gonna start working occasionally at the climbing gym that's over here. Oh, there's one here. Yeah, there's one in Louisville. Oh, sweet. Yeah, sick. So I should I, do that. Yeah, we should go sometime. I'm done. I suck at climbing, but I want to get like so. Yesterday I went to the gym across the road here and did a uh, CrossFit. And I was like having to do a bunch of pull-ups and I was like, fuck man, my upper body strength sucks. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. Climbing's a good way to get that going because it's just fun. So you don't you don't think about the fact that you're working out. Yeah, and then the next day you have like all these weird sore spots in your back where you're like, oh fuck, I was using muscles that yeah. I didn't really ever use. And like this, your forearms get all sore. Yeah, and like you grip and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. I love it. I mean, it's like, I'd say it's a, it's of equal importance to me as music is in my life. Yeah, right. So if you had to like pick one, which would you pick, do you think? Oh, man. Music. Music? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's not many things I'd pick, uh, I think, over music. I think if I had to pick between music or human interaction, I'd pick human interaction though. Oh, I would for sure. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, music. yeah. You'd go insane. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. People who like say, "Oh no, man, I pick music." Are fucking so dumb. Yeah, <laughs> she would go, Not a go chance. south real quick. Look, look at why solitary confinement exists. Yeah, it's like the worst punishment to put someone by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck I don't that. think giving them Ableton's gonna make them like <laughs> happy either. Yeah, they'll just end up breaking the computer or something. And be like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You said you're into like fitness on the road and stuff, right? So like, mm-hmm. how do you usually manage that? Because um. I feel like for me, I don't get a lot of time on the road to do anything. I mean, I got a workout in actually this weekend because I was staying at a hotel and I played like the first night and then I played the second night. So the second day I was just at the hotel all day. So I did a workout in the gym 
then yeah. but uh yeah how do you usually manage it like time wise you just sort of fit it in wherever you can yeah you kind of got to be like militant about it like you got to kind of look at your whole schedule and if you're like okay i have two hours between getting to the hotel and going to sound check then and i and i bring protein powder with me so i kind of try and plan it out and even if it's like a half an hour i'll still do it yeah yeah, it's better to do something than nothing, right? Like even if it's just like doing like a tiny little bit of cardio and a couple of lifts or something like that. It's yeah. Better, better than sitting in your room doing nothing. Yeah, I know. I always feel better after I do it. Yeah, I, and honestly, like 30 minutes is not nothing. Like you can fucking kill yourself in 30 minutes like mm-hmm. pretty pretty good. I Yeah, I've gotten good at that. I just go hard for 30 minutes. And uh, yeah, that's back to like the one of those things that normal people don't really understand is our schedule being on the road it's like there's no downtime usually yeah well yeah yeah explain that a little more well like i don't know for instance flying somewhere having a connecting flight so you're on two flights to get somewhere you show up at like six o'clock you get picked up usually it's by somebody that you don't you don't know so you're like now you're in a conversation and you're like meeting new people and you're kind of doing that whole thing and then it's like seven or eight o'clock hopefully you get to go to sound check to like make sure everything's cool and then it's like yeah eight or nine you gotta eat dinner because you were just traveling all day eating like shitty airport food and then by then it's like 10 o'clock and if you were at home, or if I was at home, I'd be like starting to wind down. Right. Yeah. And then, and then I'm like, got an hour or two before I play, <clears throat> and then you go to the venue and you drink a couple of alcoholic beverages. Yeah, have a couple <laughs> beers, kind of get into the mood because it is kind of well. I don't know when I when I'm touring a lot. That's when I just don't drink or yeah. I have like one drink a night. Yeah, probably good to have that self control. I definitely don't have that self control. Well, I think you get it though when you do multiple nights in a row. Yeah, because you start to just feel so shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't. Sense. And that that whole thing of having to get there early to catch the vibe kind of goes away. Yeah, you kind of just constantly in the vibe. Yeah. Makes so like sense. you were just in the vibe like last night, so you don't have to go and like get used to the club and all that. Yeah, because at some point they sort of all just become the same thing. You're like, oh, cool, it's another club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then what? You play the set. After you finish the set, you basically in the green room for maybe 30 minutes like talking to people and then yeah yeah if if that i mean i try and just get out i do the same thing i always tell the promoter um right before i go on stage i'm like can you have like the runner here for me as soon as i get off stage basically yeah and then it's usually like yeah 10 minutes after i'm off stage i'm like out of the club yeah hopefully that's the ideal that's a good feeling when you can escape. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it kind of I feel bad about it because a lot of people I'm worried will think that you're like being a pretentious dick by doing that. Yeah, a lot of people do think that. Yeah, it's kind of like your virtue signaling or something by being mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna like specifically leave right after I play to like look cooler or something. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I could see how people would think that though. Yeah, this is also another reason why I generally don't go and hang out in crowds. Uh, when I'm doing my own show. What is that? Oh, it's just water. Just water bottle. Oh, I thought it was like full of wood. <laughs> <laughs> wood water. Wood water. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I'm playing my own show, I also don't go and like stand out in the crowd. And the reason why is because 
I'm worried that people will think that I'm standing out there to try and garner attention from fans. Oh. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like a form of uh trying to like trying to get attention by standing out there and I'm worried that people will think like he's standing out here to try and have conversations or something like that when it's not at all what I want to do. Like sometimes I just want to stand out. I actually fucking hate having conversations at clubs because mm-hmm. A it's super loud and somebody is spitting into your ear generally. Yeah. Which is gross yeah and also drunk and spitting in your yeah ear. and al- it's disgusting and also you can't hear shit anyway and like you miss half of every sentence they say and then you're just kind of trying to put it together in your head and just nodding going yeah dude yeah it's like such an effort yeah and then on top of that um i usually when i'm going out it's just to listen to the act before me because or after me because i'm a fan yeah <laughs> i want to hear the songs I always go out, but I'll, like, put a hoodie on and just kind of try and, like, blend in. Yeah, true. And I feel like you look a little less, like, spottable than me as well because I'm, like, tall and have a nose ring and shit. Oh, yeah. You're (laughs) easy to pick out. Yeah, I feel like I am. So people are just like, oh, it's a fucking guy. Dude, we were walking. I played a show the other night. It was the Ganja and Buds show in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And me and Jansen and Brock, Boogie T., We're all walking back to our hotel together and talk about like the most spottable person. Oh, Boogie T. Oh, man. Yeah, the big ass beard. Dude, we were walking. (laughs) We walked like three blocks and had a mob of people following us, following him. Right. (laughs) But it was hilarious because like no one had any clue who me or Jansen were. Nice. So they were just like not even paying attention to us. So we were just like... (laughs) It was just hilarious. It was like very entertaining. But he was having to like run away from people and people Jesus. were like grabbing his shirt and Jesus Christ. He's like, oh, not right now, not right now. But then he'd be like, Okay, I'll take a little picture real quick. <laughs> not right now. I can't do it right now. Yeah, that shit's gotta be fucked. Does that happen to him like a lot, do you think? Or? Yeah. Because has he he's gotten pretty big too, right? Mm-hmm. Well he's and like his personality is so iconic at this point yeah right from like instagram stories and shit or yeah and i mean it's just like the person he is yeah he seems like a fun guy he always ignores me every time i see him i don't know why like he every time i see him in green rooms or whatever he'll like look at me and then he'll just like look away and start doing something else and i'll like i guess he's probably just i don't know in the green room mindset or something yeah i think he's probably just you know in the like this thing that thing like yeah ADD kind of thing I talked to him once for like a couple of seconds when I was at, he played at Red Rocks with Squanto mm-hmm. and um, Squanto like forcibly like introduced us <laughs> and mm-hmm. then he was like, oh, hey, but that's like the only time I've chatted with him. The other times I seen him was at the Ganja and Bud show in at the 420 thing. And then I saw him the other night when he played the after party for Grizz's show at the Gothic. Oh yeah, okay. Actually, I also met Eric Silver there, his manager. Super nice guy. He's awesome, dude. He's fucking awesome. I love that guy. Yeah. Is he your manager too? Or no, no, you have a different manager. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Eric's the man. I like that guy. He's like full dad vibes. Oh yeah. Great dude. Um, I thought he was gonna be like a crazy aggressive manager because he has such a insane team. Like, I mean, or an insane roster, rather. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, he must just be the most aggressive, insane manager. But he's like, didn't seem that way at all, at least not to me. I think he knows how to turn it on when he needs to. That makes sense, yeah. Like, when he's got to do some stuff for his people, he like... <laughs> yeah. Well, he was just, um, he was chatting to me about uh, Eric Squanto. He was like, so he doesn't want to tour anymore. He wants to, like, do teaching. And you're a teacher, so, like, he was just trying to get information out of me about teaching, which I was more than happy to give him. But I was like, that's really cool that you know that he wants to stop doing shows and you still want to manage him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like you guys are just, 
you know, you're just like his life coach or some shit at yeah. this point. <laughs> Which that's I was like, like a, that's sick that you're not just trying to throw him away at this point because he doesn't want to do shows anymore. Yeah, it's like a genuine, a more genuine thing than just being somebody's manager. Yeah, exactly. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you said the other the other night that you like um you've been working with your manager for a long ass time and you're like happy doing that and don't want to like switch or anything like that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like it, at this point, it's like a team mm-hmm. of you know it's it's turned into like a management company. Oh right. And yeah, I I consider them like my best friends mm-hmm. now. Yeah, well, you work with them super closely right and yeah like we're it's always... also you get like a sense of camaraderie once you achieve some pretty big things i feel like yeah yeah that's yeah every time we're like at a big festival or we'll get them playing a good set it's like such a good feeling because we put in so much work and yeah totally yeah i get that as well a little bit with um well mostly i like working with my manager because like he picked me up at a time where i was doing pretty bad and now I'm doing like pretty good. And uh, some of it is like due to him. Some of it is due to just how much I've started grinding in the studio, mm-hmm. which is a, another thing as well that I think is like um, kind of valuable about not touring so much is just writing tunes in the studio. I feel like is super valuable because Man, I know. really when you do a show, it's like you can only build like what a thousand new fans, something like that. I mean, if you play Red Rocks, the maximum amount of new fans you could build is 9,500 Consider assuming nobody knew of you before yeah and everybody and then, becomes a fan yeah everyone <laughs> buys a ticket yeah to your next show. which is like never gonna happen yeah but like with a new tune you can easily build a thousand fans off that mm-hmm. if it's like a really good tune and you promo it really well and yeah yeah if you get on like a spotify playlist or <laughs> something like that yeah yeah exactly which in fuck i don't even know how to do that <laughs> i don't think i've had many spotify playlists Dude, yeah it seems like it just happens i mean i know you can like hire people to do that but yeah there's like people that they call gatekeepers mm-hmm. and you need to like know one <laughs> or something like that i know yeah. one of them's name is austin kramer oh, i've heard that name yeah i know he's like the one for like a lot of the electronic music playlists but i don't know him personally i tried to hit him up on facebook and um yeah he never got back to me mm. so i hate him actually <laughs> let it be known <laughs> let it be known austin i hate you i don't hate you though if you want to <laughs> yeah yeah if you want to put some tunes on on a some some playlists i'll let this uh be water under the bridge austin <laughs> yeah deadly stomp get that on a playlist and we're good yeah <laughs> totally everything will be okay okay yeah. um was there anything else you want to talk about um huh, i don't know i didn't even think about what i would want to talk about <laughs> I don't think about it either. I don't I don't want this podcast to be a thing where I have to like plan it a ton. Yeah. And that's also the like the reason why I stopped doing such crazy live shows as well. I was like I just I don't want to think about it that much. I want to really spend most of my time writing music and yeah. really just spend most of my time trying to like have what could be considered a, like a good life from a philosophical standpoint you know like when i get to the end of it i want to be able to be like yeah that was a good life yeah and you're like i was happy exactly that whole time yeah yeah exactly um but really i don't know i've thought about it from both angles i was like what really makes a good life is it like me being happy or is it me making other people happy or is it both or is it neither (laughs) well you being happy if you think of it this way if writing music obviously that makes you happy Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. If you're music and you you write music, you're happy because of that. And then you play shows where you get to play your music and you're DJing. So it's pretty chill. And all these other people are happy because of this 
music that only you can write. Mm -hmm. So then you are making other people happy. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's a little bit too like mutually exclusive to think about it as like it can only be one or the other, right? Yeah. Be like, yeah, it's either I'm happy or everyone's happy. (laughs) Right. No no in betweens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard to like have the goal of making other people happy. Just gotta realize what you do is like good for people and yeah. Who do you think is the artist who's made the most people happy? Ever? Uh, yeah. Or in like in electronic music or just in general? Maybe both, like the of all time and then maybe just like the in our scene sort of thing. Oh, man. I think Subtronics maybe in our scene has yeah. made a lot of people really happy. Because a lot of people can identify with him. Yeah, I think that's a big reason of why people get big. I think that's why Excision got so big. It's because these little kids or not little maybe they're like old enough to buy a ticket to a show these kids um are like i'm gonna go to my fucking school and draw a big x on my school desk with a pencil then i'm gonna go to the excision show and throw up my x and Mm -hmm. i'm an excision fan and if you're you know of a competing class like a bass nectar fan you can get fucked oh yeah (laughs) they're just like you know so i they like that that's who they are they're like uh-huh if, if you're like who are you like what do you do they're like i fucking love excision <laughs> yeah that's kind of like deadheads dude yeah or bass nectar fans too bass yeah or um, dare i say juggalos ju- yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they're, the fucking, they're crazy yeah <laughs> i love that shit i've watched a bunch of documentaries on juggalos yeah it's so <laughs> interesting yeah it's pretty weird <laughs> it's crazy i played a festival a while ago that was like cl- fully like juggalo festival Oh, uh, really? Was Insane Clown Posse like the headliner? It, uh, Cottonmouth Kings was the headliner. Who's that? Seven it's another nine? same kind of, same idea. Nice. But it was all, yeah, it was all Juggalo crowd. It was in South Park, Colorado. Oh, right. That's where Sonic Bloom was one year. Oh, yeah. Same. Sorry I think that. it was on the same uh, venue. It's kind of crazy. You drive around on that road and you can just like see the whole festival like in the middle. Of oh, the Yeah. Oh, cool. that's the one where they had the... That's near the Wolf Sanctuary, right? Um, I'm not sure exactly, but I know that it was like uh, 10,000 feet altitude and that I did a bunch of MDMA and all of my limbs went numb. And I was, I was like concerned. Really? Yeah. That probably wasn't MDMA. It was maybe the altitude mixed with the... I don't know. I was My limbs went numb before I did MDMA. It was wow. definitely MDMA. Like I know that for sure. Huh. And I was drinking a lot too. But then I did like a bunch of oxygen and then it kind of made my limbs feel better. But yeah, that was scary. I was like, fuck high altitude. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And also, I probably shouldn't have done MDMA at high altitude. Yeah. I haven't done that shit in a long time, honestly. Every time I do MDMA, they, well, when I say these days, the last time I did it, I think was like 2015 or 2014. Mm-hmm. And the last few times I ever did it, and I don't know if I'll ever do it again, it just fucking made me feel so sad the next day. Yeah, I know. It tends to do that. I feel like it, I don't know, the The older, or at least personally, the older I get, the less that that is like something I'm like, oh, that sounds really fun to do. Yeah, I'm feeling that way about alcohol too. Like I'll do these built-in breaks now, like I'm doing one right now where I'll just like not drink alcohol for a month or two straight. Mm-hmm. and like i'll just have i'll try to have sort of like no like no possible thing could happen that would make me drink alcohol like no because i don't know i feel like when you're a touring dj there's so many points of uh celebration 
I know. Where you're just like, oh, sweet, just finished another day of being alive, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. Or, you know, oh, the show went really well. Or, sweet, just landed, going to chill by having a beer. Or, like, yeah, you know, exactly. There's so many fucking justifications for drinking a beer or something. Yeah. That it just becomes like a never-ending cycle. Yeah. I like to do those breaks while I'm touring. Just to, oh, that's healthy, yeah. Just as, like, a challenge. Yeah. See if I can do it. Yeah, right. Okay. So, like... um. When was like the last time you did that? Last year. Okay. I think I did like September. I think it was like all of September and October. I don't think I had a, well, I think I drank on my birthday Mm -hmm. in October. But other than that, yeah, I just didn't drink at all on that tour. And do you feel like your sets are better or worse when you're sober? Um, Or just like comparable? Same. Yeah. I don't think it makes a difference for me. Oh, okay. Um, It definitely makes a difference if I've had like five drinks or more mm-hmm. then it just starts to go downhill a little bit right but i don't even get close to that anymore yeah i used to i mean i had when i started djing i would like just drink all i'd do like i'd have like 10 drinks or something to like curb the anxiety of going on stage or yeah and it would just be like you know that was back when i was djing in boulder all the time right and all oh, my like friends fox or something or not even that at the, <laughs> at the b-side I don't know where that is. So that's the beer garden now. But that's where, like, that's where, who's playing, like, there used to be, like, bass nectar shows there. Crazy. 250-person room. Man, it's insane how big he's gotten. I've seen him play in Sydney in, like, a, yeah, a beer garden as well. It was, like, 250, 300 people. And now it's, like, the other day I seen him at Camp Bisco playing to, like, 10,000 people. Dude, yeah, in, like, Madison Square Garden. Does he play there? Yeah. Fuck, that's insane. Does mm-hmm. it, who has the record for like the most sold out shows in a row there? Is it Fish? Oh, probably. Or Grateful Dead. Yeah. Where it's just it has like to be one of they those. sold it out every night for like like a week or something. That's insane. Yeah, that's fucked. <laughs> that's like. Did you know Woodstock? Um, I don't know why I just thought of this, but uh, Woodstock, the last Woodstock that happened was like 500,000 people. Really? And they only had capacity for like, I don't know, 300,000. That's insane. And then all these extra people showed up and just like stormed Jesus. the gates. That makes fucking hell. That makes the festivals that we do these days look so small. Oh, dude. Yeah, nothing. Like Camp Visco is what, like 20,000 maybe or something? Yeah. And what what is like um like Electric Forest? It's like 20,000. I don't know. I haven't been to that. Yeah, me either. I want to do that next year. The Next year, the ones I really want to do is uh, Shambhala, Burning Man, Electric Forest, Lightning in a Bottle, um, and I don't know, whatever else comes up, I guess. But those ones I like definitely want to do. Have you been to Shambhala before? Um, no, I haven't. I really want I, I saw, actually, that was another th- thing when you first came on my radar was with your Shambhala mix. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think yeah. that was like just after the Space Jesus collab, maybe. Yeah, that was like my dream booking. Really? I wanted yeah. that forever. Yeah, man. I've been trying to do it for like since 2013. So. Dude, it's hard. They, that festival is like, they don't, they don't have, I don't think they need the artist lineups to sell tickets. No, it'll sell out anyway. Yeah. So they just are like, they're strictly like, they pick artists based on who, who they like, I guess, or who they're listening to. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully. You just gotta like get lucky. I think it's like a luck yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I know a shitload of people who are like residents there, basically. Mm-hmm. Like Sticky Buds, for instance, and Slink. Oh, right, and, yeah. Uh, I think K-Lab is basically a resident there at this point. He plays there quite often. 
Um, I, I, yeah, I know shit like, like Ill Gates. He plays there like almost every year. Mm-hmm. So I'm good friends with a bunch of people who are residents and they always tell me, they're like, yeah, man, you should definitely play Shambler. Like it'll fit you really well. And then <laughs> it just never happens. But yeah, it seems like a fun festival. Yeah, that's pretty sick. From what I've heard, it's like um, there's a bunch of stages, like seven or eight or something, and they're all run by like completely different companies. So it's like if you want to get a booking there, you kind of have to hit like all the stages up to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's totally what it is. Because I think... Because I was talking to somebody recently. Oh, yeah, I was talking to the dude who like runs the village stage. And I guess he was he's been into my music for a while. So I like send him tunes. Right. <clears throat> who runs the village? Is it Jeremy from PK? I think it is, yeah. Is Jeremy the one? Does he have a project? He has a music project too. Called Subvert? Yep. Yeah, I yeah, think, that's, I him. Think that's him. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, him. I think I've chatted with him before. Yeah, he's cool. All those PK guys are really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Burning Man is obviously easy. You just buy a ticket and go. Yeah. <laughs> and then see what happens. Yeah. That one's, yeah, it's been so long. I don't even know, like, what. Do they even do anything besides house music there? A Burning yeah. Man? Yeah. Uh, all like, I would think so. I mean, from what I've heard, they do everything there as like kind of the deal with Burning Man, right? Like yeah, kind of an all-inclusive experience. Well, yeah. When I went, it was the last year that they had this giant sound camp with like a big PK wall of like you know forty subs or something, and that camp was asked to not go back the next year. <laughs> really? Because it was yeah. like too big and loud. Yeah, it was like too rowdy. Fuck weird why would yeah. they wouldn't they be like that's definitely a burning man thing that can exist i think it turned into a little bit too much like you were going to a music festival oh uh, right and they want to keep it more like arty or something like that mm-hmm. yeah it makes sense some of the stories ben told me were fucking so funny like there was this one where there's this camp called camp chaos and then there was another camp called camp chaos and then like some hour of the night uh other Camp Chaos rolled up on, like, initial Camp Chaos, I guess. Like, OG Camp Chaos and with, like, a megaphone on a car. And they're like, there can only be one Camp Chaos. Oh and then, like, they had to settle it. And they decided to settle it with a blowjob off. So they, like, pulled some random guy off the plier and blindfolded him. And were like, all right, you're going to receive two blowjobs. And <laughs> whichever one is better... Uh, that's going to be like the camp chaos that prevails. So they picked like one blowjobber from like one blowjob giver from one camp chaos and one blowjob <laughs> giver from the other. And then they both gave this guy a blowjob. Oh my God. <laughs> and, he, and he picked um, and he picked the one and then that was the camp chaos that, that prevailed. That is so funny. Yeah, man. It's like the most ridiculous story I think I've ever heard in my life. That's pretty standard though. That's yeah, and that's what he said. He's like, Yeah, that's just a shit that happens at Burning Man. I'm like, all right, I gotta go. This sounds intense. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like some shit to witness for sure. Like when everyone was posting that video of Flume. Oh yeah, eating us. I was like, This is anyone that's like bugging out about this has never been. <laughs> I did I, yeah, I was not bugging out about that at all. I was like, it's whatever, it's fucking Burning Man. Even though I haven't been, I kinda get it. But like yeah, it was pretty funny. I, I, I liked um Josh Pan's take on it the most. He was like, man, DJing's become so hard. It's like now to be known for, uh, or now to be like edgy, you're going to have to like be DJing three tracks at once whilst eating your own ass whilst doing like a triple backflip. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, no, what we, sh- what we should really do is just like, if you want to be super edgy, just cut the music halfway through your set, pull out a ramp 
and then just have audience members walk up the ramp to the stage and eat 24,000 asses. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, yeah, some classic Josh Pan Twitter action right oh, there. Man. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a great Twitter, man. I love that guy. I I'm, I'm chatted with him online a few times, and then I actually met him at that Ganja 420 show too because mm. he was playing a show in Boulder the same night. He seems really nice. Pretty, yeah, I love his music. Super good music, yeah. And he's like a really quiet, humble-seeming dude. Hmm. He's always seemed like mysterious to me for some reason. Maybe that's his the whole persona. To yeah. Keep it kind of mysterious. Well, I know like the way that that project originated is a lot of people were saying, uh, like, who wasn't is, it like a collaborative effort? That's what a lot of, that's what people thought originally. They were like, "Is Josh Pan twenty people?" Yeah. <laughs> and then it turned out no, it's actually a guy called Josh Pan. Um, <laughs> just just him making tunes. It's funny. I don't know why there was so much hype around it. I, I I think it was probably like um like well thought out marketing. Yeah. I don't think that it was seemed a, like Alza or Skrillex was behind it. Yeah, I know he definitely was like on Alza for a while. I don't think Alza releases anything other than Skrillex now, right? And then they're more of a clothing brand. It seems like. Oh really? I think I mean I don't know. I haven't hmm. I haven't really been following it. Stopped. They stopped doing <coughs> Nest. Nest, it's yeah. Not a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, which sucks because that was like a good outlet for promoing new tunes and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, do people even look at outlets for new tunes anymore? I don't know. How do you think people are finding out about new music? I think it's just, I bet, I think it's just like Spotify playlists now. Yeah. And our other artists sense. sharing stuff. And The issue with Spotify playlists, I mean, it's good. Like anybody listening to your tune ever is good. But, uh, I I would put them in a classification of like hyper casual listener where like, you know, people a lot of the time when they're listening to a Spotify playlist don't really know what they're listening to. Mm -hmm. Like they could just be, and I, I do this all the time. I'll just be like in my kitchen, like cooking food, just listening to Spotify playlists on a Bluetooth speaker. And I'll hear like 10 really sick tunes go by and I won't know like who made any of them. Oh yeah. And I won't really even like care to look a lot of the time. I'll just be like, oh, it's all sick. Yeah, I do. I know. I do which, that a lot. Yeah, in which sense, like, these people who are making really sick tunes are not converting me into a fan, and therefore I, I would probably never know to go and buy a ticket to their show or anything. Well, yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, the way that I learn about new music is from, well, I mostly just listen to drum and bass if I'm listening to electronic music. Really? I listen to the Hospital podcast. Okay, that makes and, sense. Yeah. And he's, London Electricity is, like, really good at introducing every tune and talking about the artists and all that. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. you said you wanted to start a podcast like that, right? Yeah, that's exactly. I want to do the exact same format as that. Right. Is it similar to Noisier Radio? Yeah, kind of. Cool. Noisier Radio is sick. I listened to that, like, religiously for the first few months that it was out. Then I kind of tape it off and I haven't listened in a while. But, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was a great way to find out about, like, new halftime bangers and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And it's cool to, like, to start... Because I feel like I know London Electricity. I feel like he's my friend. Right, but you've never podcasts. met him? Never met him. Dude, so this is a fucking thing that happens to me a lot. Is because people have watched me so much on YouTube. Like, it's not like a lot of people have, but like, um, but like you know, a few people have watched like all of my fucking videos on YouTube. And I have like hundreds of hours, man, of me talking on YouTube about just Stableton. Mm -hmm. And so people will like come and meet me and they'll like... I can tell that they feel like they know me really well and I can tell that they feel like I know them really well, but it's oh, like such a lopsided. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense for <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> and it's kind of like an interesting way to start an interaction. 
That's funny. It'd probably be the same if you met the London electricity guy, right? You'd be like, hey, like I totally. Hey, it's me. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> Your listener. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like when, do you ever get people that come up to you that maybe you've seen at a show that you played there like years ago and they're like, you remember my name? Like, yeah, that happens to me all the time. I I oh um I just attack it honestly these days. I say, hey man, no, I don't. I meet so many people and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if we didn't talk again since then. No. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. People have like crazy expectations of you know of the human memory. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> they're like I know that my memory is this good. Why is your memory? Like, yeah, <laughs> like whatever. Bro. Every once in a while, though, I will remember, and I'm like, how the fuck did I pull that one out? And then they're like, whoa. <laughs> I only talked like, to you for like 10 seconds like, two years ago weird, bro. <laughs> yeah they're like I gotta go I went into a bar um like a few months ago and there was this guy who was just pounding this bottle of whiskey at the bar which is I'm pretty sure illegal and then he like um I was taking a photo with my girlfriend at the time out in the foyer like in front of this painting or a sculpture I think it was and he was like uh oh yeah nice one bro like taking photos of yourself and I was like yeah whatever like didn't really think about it then I was standing out the front and I saw this guy like walk out of the bar throw this bottle of whiskey in the bin and get in his car and I was like dude are you gonna drive and he's like yeah (laughs) and I was like all right and then he like did a burnout turned around and then wound down his window and was like hey what's your name and I was like Bill and he's like you're kind of a fucking douchebag, Bill. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I've only talked to you twice tonight and both interactions have been bad. And I was like, well, yeah, the first time, like, you're being a dick to me because I was taking a photo with my girlfriend and the second time I was trying to help you by telling you to get an Uber. And he's and then he, he was like, I fucking hope I see you around. And then, like, did a burnout and, like, took off. And then I was like, this bar sucks. I'm never coming here again. And then me being the fucking 2 a.m. alcoholic I am was like, I'm going to go to that bar again, <laughs> like, six months later. Oh, man. And the same fucking guy was sitting at the bar doing the exact same thing and he's like bill no i went up to him and i was like hey man do you remember me and he's like honestly no bro i don't like super aggressively still and i was like oh okay fair enough and just let him let it go oh man that's because funny. like i was just like i guess he's just like that <laughs> and then man. got a beer went to a table like over the other side of the bar basically and sat down and then he like came up to me and started being and he was like wait i think i might remember you and stuff and but he totally didn't and um, oh. i ended up having another conversation with him and he turned out to be like not a, he turned out to be basically a dick again <laughs> but, <laughs> um but yeah the human memory is super bad for remembering people even if it's like an interaction like that where he was like i'm specifically gonna remember you yeah and totally didn't but then sometimes you get these little random ones that pop through somehow do you ever get those where you're like, How, why did I remember that? That's such a useless thing to remember. Um, get those sometimes. I get it with maybe like random pieces of information. I don't get it so much with people. I mean, I guess, yeah, sometimes I get it with people. Um, not very often, though. It's more or less, it more happens more frequently with just dumb information. Where mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'll just remember like some person's tagline on a youtube video or something i'll be like that's probably taken up like you know space that i could be using for something good yeah <laughs> i know i wish you could just go in and like clean up look at it shit. all <laughs> yeah. oh man if you could like put your brain onto like a computer foldering system like mac finder or windows explorer yeah uh, or Win- is it explorer yeah um and like go through all the folders and just like look at like memories and shit yeah. you'd be like holy fuck this folder system is a mess Dude, our boy Elon's working on that, I'm sure. Yeah, everything is like, do you reckon everything would be typed all in lowercase or caps or both? I think it'd be a total <laughs> mess, dude. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> You're like a real angry person. It's like yeah. all caps. Like dude at the bar. 
the other night. Oh yeah, his caps. yeah his his folder system is every folder and every file is just all caps and no vowels and every A is a V. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just fuck everywhere. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's with that? Like all the trap people doing that. Dude, I don't. That's just it's like always the, seems so silly to me. Yeah, like sudden death does it, murder does it. Actually, I, uh, the reason I remember that is because last night I was just going on some rhythm binge. Because I was mixing down that track with Mercive, so I was mm-hmm. trying to like reference some shit. Yeah, and yeah, I saw a sudden death and murder track, and I was like, "Oh, they're both doing the V thing." That's oh cool. yeah, <laughs> like kind of, kind of lame, bro. I don't get it. Upside down A. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, sudden death is fucking sick, by the way. Dude, yeah, yeah. His he's like, I didn't really. Are insane. I never really like got it until last night, and um. I listened to a bunch and I was like, oh, I still don't really get it. But then I came across a couple of tunes where I was like, whoa, these are like really sick. He's got a few really, really sick ones. But then a lot of it, I feel like to me, and I feel this way about like m- almost every rhythm artist has a bunch of these. I just call it disposable rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's just like literally music that you could play in a set, but really doesn't have any other value. I think like it's just like a build and a drop. Yeah. And like the sound design is pretty stock standard for rhythm and yeah like you hear it and you're not like oh this is a song by this artist yeah and i think really the only like a lot of producers i know who do rhythm appreciate it a ton mm-hmm. and i'll talk to them and they'll send me like, like a specific example is ulisail which i would love to have him on this podcast too because he's super interesting do you know that guy do you know his music um i know his music a little bit i play your guys's tune every set Oh, the Wooktronica one? Yeah. Oh, man, i got to finish that tune. Sick. That's awesome you play it. I love that song. <laughs> nice. Uh, sick. Um, I'll, fin- I'll update it and send you an update. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he's a super cool guy, but he he's massively like a huge proponent of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm like, dude, it all fucking sounds the same. He'll proceed to send me like 400 more tracks that all also sound the same. <laughs> and <laughs> you're then- like, dude, you're not helping... And then he'll be like, no, man, like you you just like have broken ears or something. You can't tell. But I I think what it is, is that, uh, you know, if like, if I was a cheater and I saw another cheater, I'd probably be like, oh man, that fucking cheater has a, like a spot right there. That's fucking lame. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd be way more observant of like where the other cheater's spots were. Yeah. But because I'm not a cheater, I'm not invested in that being concerned with where a cheater's spots are. I just look at cheaters and they all look the fucking same. Yeah, you know? exactly. They're all spotted cats. Um, and I, I think it's the same with rhythm kind of. <laughs> it's like, I just see it as kind of all a bit the same to me because I'm not like super invested in knowing why it's all different and stuff. I mean, I'm kind of with you though. I don't know if it's a, I think it all kind of does blend together. I think it's supposed to be kind of, well, I, that might go back to our conversation about doubles and stuff. Like that's why the rhythm DJs are able to like do doubles all the time. Cause all the songs are the same well, exact framework. Yeah. I told all this, I was like, you know, that this double thing that you're doing right now is just a testament to how similar all these tracks are. Right. And he's like, no, nope, no, nope, you don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, he's like, I spent so long finding all of these to work together. And I'm like, I sure you did, but like, the reason that it seems like they're working together is because they're almost the same tune. Yeah, that's why like I can't double my songs with each other. Yeah, because there's like so many rhythm, different rhythms going on. It's not all just like duant, 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 like quarter yeah. notes. Well, it's it's also why like you know minimal techno is meant to be like two, three, or four songs playing at once. Is it? I mean, from like. A few friends that I've had that are that DJ that stuff, yeah, they're always playing like a really? few songs at once. It would seem like you get a lot of like flaming and phasing with like the percussion and the kicks and stuff. Well, I think they have it like you know 
they'll have like one kick from one song mm. and then have it like the low end cut out on the other songs and right and when you double a song like when you're doubling two rhythm drops um is it mostly just the lows that you're cutting on one song or do you cut the lows and the highs on one song and just have the mids or like how do you how do you go about eqing the the doubler like with sweet shop for instance do you with that i like yeah i just have because i really just want that mid-range to come through of sweet so shop? people recognize that okay so i'll like cut i'll you know bring the mids down a little bit on the boss remix and then i'll bring the mids up on the sweet shop one cut the lows completely out on that turn the highs down too so it's mm. not like too tinny sounding and then like turn the trim up or something so it's like a bit louder or yeah well that song's really loud sweet shop? dr p all right i don't know like his mix downs are just i don't know what he does he told me too one time <laughs> he was like <laughs> and like instead of remembering that you remember like some random guy's yeah, name I from remember, the midwest like, like Peter from Philadelphia or something. And you've forgotten like some golden advice from Dr. Yeah. P. <laughs> well, no, he, it was funny because he explained it to me and I was like, that's it. That's all you do. And cause I was like, dude, how do you get your stuff to be so punchy and loud? Are you running it all through like analog gear or something? And he's like, no, no, I just like do it all in my headphones, like in a hotel room and just kind of like mix it really loud. Yeah. Like, well, I feel it. like when stuff is super loud, you get the added benefit of adding distortion to tons of shit. And then mm -hmm. it's like the clicks and pops and all the issues with everything kind of become less. Yeah, they get rounded off. A little, by the yeah. Distortion. Yeah, they just get masked. Because, um, you know, sort of like you can hear me perfectly at this distance right now. But if we were in a club right now and I was talking to you at this volume, you wouldn't be able to hear me at all because my voice would be masked by the sound system, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same sort of thing with, with uh, mixing really loud dubstep music it's like imagine the sound system as the really loud elements of your music and then us talking right now is like one element you're trying to mix in it's like not even making a difference yeah it's just such a small issue compared comparatively to the rest of the mix and that's why it's like i have so much respect for people that write like really minimal music and do it really well like really minimal loud music yeah like you know just any kind of like minimal electronic music to me you know yeah. like the idm kind of stuff that you make mm -hmm. just seems so like i'd like to do that someday but i just feel like it would be back to the drawing board where i just gotta really sit down and i feel like with um with the idm stuff you just gotta be really reserved with like your sound selection and just make sure nothing has clicks and any of that shit and mm -hmm. then also um basically g clip and ott are like not a thing in the idm world <laughs> yeah like, you never use either really yeah um as far as sound design goes it's like rather than trying to make like really loud brutal like textural sounds you're trying to really make like more softly articulated sounds like stuff that has like a lot of articulation rather than a lot of texture mm-hmm it's all pretty similar though i would say it's not it's not that much different yeah i think, I think writing um electro and house and techno and stuff because i have like a second project called electricado that's just have you heard that project no so i've played at red rocks twice with that project really yeah but i've never played red rocks as mr bill oh that's funny yeah it's weird i huh. opened two nights there for dead mouse whoa yeah so it's all it's all like electro and house and techno it's on mousetrap and that stuff is super similar to writing IDM, I think, because every sound is like pretty clean. Mm -hmm. What I'm noticing with dubstep is it's all about just like squashing everything together and it's all about distorting things a lot. And yeah. 
boosting shit that probably shouldn't be boosted that much but like it works because you're like trying to get the presence out of it and stuff like that yeah and making like a wall of sound yeah it's a good it's good i mean it's difficult i think a lot of people discredit it a lot in the idm scene too because they're like oh it's just fucking distortion and bullshit mm-hmm. and then like you i don't know when you actually try to do it it's pretty tricky yeah especially if you try and do it like i don't know like i always try and do it in a clean kind of way Totally, which becomes like the most insane balancing act because it's like, all right, I want it to be like negative four laughs, but I don't want any distortion. It's like, all yeah. right, let's figure this fucking impossible problem out. I know. It's <laughs> a lot of side chaining. Yeah, a lot of side chaining, gating, a lot of cutting low frequencies on everything except your kick and your sub. And- another one that I've been doing another breakthrough i've had is just bouncing everything to audio too so you can cut like all the tails off shit so nothing Mm -hmm. is like sort of overlapping and hitting on other stuff yeah yeah i do that a lot like as the last process sort of like i'll uh, i'll finish a track i'll get it as close as i possibly can and then i'll render it down to like six or eight stems so it's just kind of like kick and snare top drums sub mid basses effects vocals something like that Mm -hmm. and then yeah i'll be able to see like if there's a a build up and then something dropping i'll be able to see like all these tails of shit that like hang over on that next kick and then i'll just chop them all off and it'll just sort of like clean the transient up on that next hit yeah it helps a lot gives you that extra little boost at the end where you're like oh mm-hmm. i kind of know what i'm doing now yeah it sounds like i know what i'm doing well it becomes much more manageable because when you have like a 120 channel session or something there's just so fucking much to deal with it's like it overpowers your brain a little bit Mm -hmm. whereas when you just have six layers to deal with it's like not a lot to deal with well then you can have some fun with like fills and stuff too well yeah it comes way more manageable to just like cut everything really easily and put a fill there or something yeah or yeah do you ever do that where so you're saying you have like six stems do you ever get to that point and then you decide to add like different fills yeah totally and also like if you see some of my sessions with like the final six stem setup it just looks like fucking grid lines everywhere because i've just re-edited the whole thing a ton and stuff and that's kind of how i get my like this is more so with idm stuff i don't do it as much with dubstep stuff but um what what you'll see is like i'll take these elements of tracks and just like move them around and shit and that's kind of how i get these like obscure glitchy phrases and stuff that i wouldn't have thought to do otherwise huh is, and and also um really uh do you know what hocket is have you ever heard that term no uh, you've probably done it before it's you definitely do it in like every track it's where you get like say you have like one baseline that's like dun, 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 or some shit and then you put like the same midi clip on like four or five different midi channels but they're all got different patches and then you just have like one note one note one note like from oh. each element mm-hmm. on like triggering each different patch so like skrillex does it a ton too you know it's like yeah like like and every every note of the phrase will kind of be a different sound yeah well that's called hocket and um that's something that i do a lot with that stemming system too is i'll uh just have like my kick playing on like beat one and then just have a little bit of drums on beat you know 1.2 and then just like a bass stab on like 1.3 and stuff so it's kind of like you just get this really crazy glitchy overwhelming sound where shit is just happening way too fast (laughs) for your brain to sort of put it together that's kind of cool i need to try that i need to like take it to that step of actually bouncing you know the stems and all that because i just do it within the hundred plus track project right and it still helps but it's still kind of a headache yeah, well, I feel like, yeah, once you get it into a new project with fuck all stems, you kind of transcend your computer's processing power, but you also <laughs> transcend your mental processing power a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It puts you in, like, a new headspace with the song and yeah, 
gives you new ideas yeah it's also fun as well sometimes like bouncing the master putting that into the into a new session and then just like sort of going through cutting it up into like 16th notes in a drum rack or something like that and then just like playing it on a midi fighter oh yeah seeing if you can get a different sequence out of it that makes sense yeah this makes me think that i'm not actually done with the song that i thought i finished today (laughs) (laughs) you finished the song today yeah like midday what time did you wake up uh uh, seven Fuck, that's so early, man. But I, yeah. I went to bed at six. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, having a kid, I can't really can't really swing that schedule. Yeah. Especially because he's he went to daycare today, so I got up and worked, got a couple hours in. Mm. But yeah, I just finished a house song. Nice. Okay, yeah. it's sick that you're like doing different genres too, and not just like sticking with the wubs, the wobbly bass stuff. Yeah. Well, was well, it pretty wubby bass stuff anyway? It is. Yeah. That's one thing I can't get away from. Wubs. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, I don't know, I just love making... I is love, your um, go-to for that, like, Serum or Massive? It's a, it's pretty evenly split at this point between Serum, Massive, and uh, Phase Plant. Ah, cool, Phase Plant, nice. And that thing, I well, before Mother. Nico broke it. The Mother 32? Yeah. You know what it might be? Um, I pulled that apart the other day because I originally, I well, not originally, originally it came in that, and then I pulled it out of that box and put it in the, the case that I have here for my modular rig. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good for a while. And then when I put it back in the mother 32 box, it wouldn't work. Um, and it was just an issue with like the wire at the back, just not being fully properly plugged in. And, oh, okay. and I had to like unscrew the wood on the side of it a tiny bit. So it wasn't like compressing too hard against like the thing that plugs into the, uh, PCB or whatever. Oh, okay. It was like some really simple issues. Oh, so if I just maybe start taking it apart. Just like fuck with the wire a little bit and (laughs) probably will fix it. Wiggle it maybe. Yeah, because I can't imagine it's a very easy thing to break. Like, mm-hmm. knobs are pretty strong and, I mean, what, is it just not powering? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably just that. Then just an issue. Like, you probably just, like, banged it on something and, like, maybe knocked the power cable out or something. Yeah. I guess it looks pretty... Yeah, I could just take the screws out <coughs> on the side. Yeah, you take the screws out on the side, pull the wood off, and then there's, like, another frame. There's a bit of metal, actually, right in there between the wood and the and the housing, and then you just pull that off and... yeah. You'll see uh, it's on this side is where the power is. Right. And it's just like a little three or four pin thing that plugs into the board. Oh. And then it's like a, another three or four pin thing that plugs into the back where you plug the power cable into. So just, I don't know, push on both of them, see if it fixes oh. it. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Pretty easy to fix. Mug tech support yeah over here <laughs> well, it's just yeah i mean after you build a synth like this you kind of like get used to just like issues mm-hmm. you're just like all right maybe it's just like fucking power related or something or cable related yeah also just this studio in general There's a lot going on in here now like in terms of the routing if you go behind here there's just cables fucking everywhere oh yeah i've done a pretty good job at cleaning them up but i know it seems pretty yeah pretty tidy in here it's a mess. Uh, like, so there's a run that goes just underneath this piece of wood here. <clears throat> so this piece of wood here, there's a run that goes underneath there and there's just like that fat of cables just loomed together like through the middle of that. Yeah. Fuck. But yeah, man. Um, Cool. That's like, uh, that's two hours. That's pretty good. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get going anyway. No worries, man. Well, I appreciate you doing the talk. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. This should be out. Um. I guess like five weeks, something like that. Early October. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, are, are you done with your tour then, or are you still touring? No, I'll just be getting into it then. 
Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. Well, by the time this comes out, people listening will will know to go and see you because you'll be touring that. Man. Fucking sweet. <laughs> sweet. Well, thank you again for awesome. having me. Well, yeah, man. I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast.